Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. More live fantasy sports radio than anyone on the planet. Seven continuous hours of football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus seven hours of game day frenzy on Sunday. 30 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Like Craig Davis of FantasyFootball.com, the audible Cecil Lammy, Paul Greco of Melnick and Greco Fantasy Sports, and the fantasy football guys Lyle Conkiel and Kevin Moore. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Friday the 13th, in full effect. Now, I know this is Halloween, Halloween theme, but this is a Friday the 13th I will never forget. Sigmund Bloom of the Audible with us tonight, live on Red vs. Blue. 60 seconds. One bleeds red, and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, with your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Hey everybody, good evening. Welcome to another jam-packed edition of Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. We've had a wild Friday the 13th, and, and like I said in the intro there, uh, yeah, that's Halloween theme music, but man, uh, what a week. If you guys read any of the advertisements for this show, we mentioned a couple of things that we were going to talk about. Grand Theft Auto, AR-15s, I think we put guns as a key word, uh, the lake. Uh, it was just a wild, wild night uh, right as Friday the 13th kicked off. I know a lot of you guys were watching the uh, basketball game last night. Syracuse took on UConn and went into six overtimes. And, Mike, uh, to me, that was the biggest game that I've seen in the, in the history of college basketball. You know what, Scott, that was amazing. I, I'm sitting there. When I got off work, I, I, I'm listening to it on the radio, and then I get home after a 45-minute drive from work to home, and it's on. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, these guys can go to seven, eight, nine overtimes. I don't care because it was that much fun to watch. And uh, I used to – 
I used to couldn't stand when they would say, well, I'm tired. I'm tired. These are 18 to 22-year-old kids. 18 to 22-year-olds. But you know what? They were. And those coaches, Jim Beheim, Jim Calhoun, they were tired. And it was a it was an epic affair. It was one of the best best college basketball games to, that will ever be in at the Madison Square Garden. So it, 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 I mean, it was something else. I feel the same way, Mike. And uh, again, we are live out of Indianapolis. This is Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio. I'm your host, Scott Adkins, uh, team legacy in the world of a high stakes fantasy football. My big blue co-host is Michael Trent from Brandenburg, Kentucky. And, uh, Mike, I know Kentucky had a hard uh, fall today, but we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of Louisville and Kentucky basketball nearing the end of the show. We've got a special guest uh, this week, Sigmund Bloom from the Audible and Draft Guys, uh, one of the authorities uh, that we like to think of uh, on Dynasty football. And uh, we're going to talk at the NFL Combine, the Pro Day. We've got a lot of questions that we want to ask Sig, but first – uh, we want we want to talk about this Friday the 13th, man. And I'm sitting up watching this Syracuse UConn game, and 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 what a, what a game! You know, overtime one, overtime two, overtime three. Mike, I think the statistic was that Syracuse, as I'm watching this, did not lead at one point in any of the five overtimes until the sixth overtime. You know, and so this team constantly met the challenge and just survived and survived and survived. And I said, this is happening. I said it after about overtime four. I was like, they're going to win this game. I don't know how, but they're going to win this game. And they pulled it out. You know, it's funny because uh, I was seeing the same thing. It's like, now, wait a second. Syracuse, uh, they haven't led for, at one time during this game, whether it was first half, second half, first overtime, third overtime, fourth overtime, no matter. But they just, you know, survived. That, that's that. That's just what they did, and they made it happen. And uh, Jim, ba- Jim Bayham, he was pulling out every stop and every player possible yeah. uh, because yep. in, in a long game like that, you know, you're going to lose players because of fouls. And uh, they just they just made things happen there in the sixth overtime. They just blew wow. UConn out, and it was it was something. But uh, it, it was one heck of a game, and it's something to – that you can uh, look back on that, uh, you know, you just, you just remember it. Well, so I'm sitting there in the in, in the bed with my wife, and we're sitting there just saying, holy cow, uh, we're going to remember where we were when we watched this game. This is just one of those games that may, they gave you that feeling. If you're going to remember where you were the night you watched Syracuse play UConn to six overtimes. And, Absolutely. And, 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 you know, each team, there's hardly any players left. They've got guys on each team, at least two guys on each team that hadn't played like, you know, four or five games all year and maybe 20 minutes combined total throughout the year. And they're, and they're on the, on the floor and everybody's dead tired. And okay. So I'm, so I'm, I'm teasing you guys. All right. So I'm watching this game and, and, you know, the game's <laughs> over. Great. All right. We've, uh, we've watched the game. We turn it off. Uh, we flip it on something else, and about that time, I get a loud knock on the door. One of those knocks on the door that you're like, "Holy shit, what the heck is going on here?" Bam, bam, bam! Slamming on the door, doorbell, 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 three or four times. Uh, okay, so you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, all right, I'm gonna have to grab, I'm gonna have to grab my protection. So I, I grab, uh, I grab what I need to grab, my piece, and then I start walking down the stairs, and, and my wife says, "No, you know what? It's the cops. They're they're in the front yard and they're in the backyard." So, okay, well, so I go ahead and walk down the stairs, and I'm like, 
I, I decide to open up the door and I peek out and I'm like, this better be good. <laughs> and one of them, and one of them asked me, he says, are you Scott? And I'm like, yeah, that's me. What, what, what you need? He said, uh, Scott, where's your truck at? I said, my truck. I said, which truck? He said, the white one. I said, well, it better be in my driveway. And he said, well, you were looking for a first round draft pick. I said, well, why don't you come out here and take a look for me? So I'm out here in my boxes and a T-shirt, and I come walking outside, and it's freezing here in Indianapolis, okay? And I walk outside, and sure enough, uh, my trailblazer, I just got an 06 trailblazer, it's gone. It's not there. And uh, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And he said, he said, you mind if I step in? I was like, no, 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 come on in, guys, come on in. It was cold. They walk inside, and uh, these guys are all business at this point. They're glaring at me. They're They're just checking me out they're analyzing every word i say and they said where were you tonight you know what have you been doing how long have you been home when's the last time you saw your car all those questions and i'm like okay so i'm answering these questions i'm like guys what's going on he said don't worry about it we'll let us do let us ask the questions and then they say would you mind a field sobriety test okay so at this point i'm like you know even if i've been drinking it's none of your business let's have a shot right now but I'm like, uh, yeah, that's fine, whatever, I haven't been drinking. So, you know, they do the follow your finger kind of thing, don't move your head or whatever. I'm like, okay, what the heck is going on? And uh, about, about a couple of minutes of that, they're, 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 they're appeased, they're satisfied. They're like, okay, look, here's the deal. Your truck is down here at the bottom of the lake. <laughs> Somebody what? reported it, seeing it down here at the bottom of the lake. Somebody stole it, I don't know how long they've had it. But uh, they, they, they're down here at the bottom. Like, why don't you get some clothes on? And come on down, and, and we'll check it out. So I'm like, okay, man, this is crazy. Anyway, we go down there. I get down there, and I kid you not, Mike, there are four fire trucks. There are at least six emergency ambulance vehicles, EMTs. This is a, this is Hendricks County in Avon, just west of Indianapolis. There are at least four squad cars. There is a TV channel, Fox 59 News. This is by the time I get there. They're already here, okay? So they're, I mean, I guess by the time they got it up enough, they could kind of see the license plate and, and go look and see who it was, okay? By the time I get down there, the back window is shattered in the lake. It's just shattered. They've already, they, you know, they obviously wanted to use one of these fancy new tools that they had. And uh, they knocked the back window out. And the first thing they're looking for, I guess, are bodies. I don't know what they're looking for. They go in there. They check it out. They come back in. They say there's nobody in there. Um, and, you know, they got a couple of tow trucks. I guess they got some competition for tow trucks. They had two big tow trucks there, Zor style, and huge, big tow trucks that could pull anything out. And, uh, you know, we sit out in the cold for about an hour and a half, two hours while they pull it out, and everybody kind of leaves. They set up these big spotlights so they can see what's going on. They got divers down in the water all waiting in there. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? This is They're this looking is for Friday. golf balls. This is Freaky Friday the 13th, man. <laughs> this, is, this is insane. Man, I... Hey, Scott, you've had one hell of a Friday the 13th, no doubt about it. I mean, <laughs> when you tell me about that earlier today, uh, oh, my goodness. And please understand, folks, I mean, this guy is mesmerized about what's going on. Yeah. It's, just, it's one thing after another. It's like, oh, my goodness, my truck is gone. You got you got the cops sitting there going, okay, what's your name, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And going over and over again uh that's i mean that is crazy i only thing you can say is well so anyway so anyway check this out look so i get in 
So they say, okay, we need to get a statement from you. We need to get a statement. So come on in the squad car. I get in the squad car, and they get in the back seat, obviously. This guy has – this is Hendricks County Sheriff Department, okay, a, a, a little pole on town, okay, uh, next, to, next to Indianapolis. Did they give you a Krispy Kreme donut? Dude, listen, I get in this car, and I'm kidding you not. This is technology. Like, you you wouldn't believe the technology they've got in here, okay? I mean, not to mention just the laptops with the full screens and the and the. They know where the, you are the, and where you're going. He's got, like, three different video cameras in his, in his car. You see three different angles. And and he's got on the top of the – on the top of his – pin to the top of his roof, He's got an AR-15, and he's, like, ready for war, okay? This is like SWAT. He's just a Henderson <laughs> County Sheriff. I'm telling you, these, these officers are armed and ready for, I don't know what they're ready for. I mean, uh, revolt, <laughs> rebellion, uh, revolution. I mean, I don't know. They're ready for the militia to come and, and kill them all. I mean, they're really ready for, for anything. This guy had an AR-15. He's fully armed. He's got a couple of other long, like, bat-type things, and maybe they're, like, sun weapons. All right, I'm, I'm serious. I'm like, I can't believe this. So anyway, they tow my car. They get it out of the lake. They tow it. I mean, it's, you know, several feet of water in the trailblazer as I open up the door, man. It's just, you know, all my, my briefcase is just completely ransacked, looted, and papers everywhere, and nothing where it needs to be. Everything's stripped out of it and gone. And, uh, man, so uh, they say, you know, come check it out. We'll look at it tomorrow. So, you know, Saturday, I spent my Saturday going to the, to, you know, the tow company. They already had picked it up. I had to chase it back down to the other spot, the auto auction, because I'm sure it's totaled. I get to the auto auction. They pull it up, uh, you know, lay it in front of me. I go go inside of it. They've got the steering wheel tied up with the seat belt. They've got the, uh, they've got the, uh, some, uh, a concrete brick laying on the gas Funny pedal. laughing. They got a, they got a. A brick on the gas pedal where they just shoved it into the pond. And then, so I'm opening up trying to gather some of my stuff. I pull up the compartment, and there's a loaded 45 sitting right there in the console. There's a loaded 45 sitting in the console with, with full clip. And I'm like, okay, this this is crazy. They, they they did all this work, and they didn't even check, you know, the vehicle. Anyway, we get there, and he comes, he comes, and he picks up the Glock or, or, the, or the 45, and then he, he, he's on his way. And, and I'm sitting here with a, with, a, with a total trailblazer. So that's the story. Well, one thing, one, one thing about team, it, Scott, one thing about it is, you know, I mean, that really stinks. I mean, the whole deal, uh, that's got to be so frustrating to go through that entire thing. Bob Knight will be the coach of Georgia. He is bring he he will bring the kids up right. All right, man. Well, listen, we've got a lot to to talk about. I spent the first fifteen minutes on this Freaky Friday the thirteenth, and I've got a call from the five one two, and I think that's Austin, Texas, uh, our very own Sigmund Bloom. Bloom, are you with us? Yes, I am. And uh, you know, I I really don't know what to say about that story. I thought you were going to say maybe the Jimmy Hoffa was in your trailblazer when they threw it up. Or- <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the great all-time mysteries was going to be solved. But, yeah. You know, this is the second. This is the second Friday the Thirteenth this year. They were actually have yeah. three this year. Wow. And uh, I just have to. Yep. I just have to say, uh, uh, we talk about Syracuse. You know, I'm a 90, class of '97 graduate of Syracuse University, a diehard Orange basketball fan. Congrats. And uh, it, it was it was truly surreal. But I I got to agree with I got to agree with Mike that there was a point in the third or fourth overtime. Uh, when it, they were struggling and it was difficult, but you just got this feeling that, that they were going to find a way to win. And it was really an epic game. And it was one of those games that embodies what all of sports are about. You know, when 
when guys get to that point where all they have left is desire and the will to win. And I think it's something that really captivated the whole country. I mean, I, I want I want to say the first 20 or 25 minutes of SportsCenter was just about that game, and it was just a second round game in the Big East tournament. Well, well I'll tell you what, uh, Sigmund, from my, from my standpoint, when I was driving home, uh, I was listening to it, and I'm like, wow, you know, second overtime, third overtime, next thing you know, I'm home, and what am I going to do? I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that, I'm watching that game, you know, yeah. and it became uh, captivating to the entire audience. Yeah. And I admire you for uh, honoring your commitment and being on the show, man, because Q's is on right now, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're winning by two, and, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, the Big East Tournament, the MSG, Master Garden's a great, great place. It's got some serious mojo. Three years ago, Jerry McNamara put on a ridiculous show of last-second shots to lead Syracuse to the title, and, uh, you know, they're giving everyone something to remember again. So even if this season ends up with a, a loss in the second round of the tournament, we'll always have that game last night that we'll remember. Absolutely, man, and 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 I, I had that thought in the back of my mind. I was and in third overtime. I'm like, these poor guys got to turn around and play tomorrow. I felt sorry for both of them because I, I mean, I know Mike, you you commented on that at the beginning of the show, but still, to go through what they had to go through in that kind of a war, and then have to face a West Virginia who's just chomping at the bit. Being, I mean, it, it's just like that's that's pretty that's pretty tough thing to ask. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And played the night before too. So uh, and they're up by five now. Devendorf just hit a three pointer. So we'll see wow. what happens. There's so you're a graduate of the uh, of the ninety ninety seven Qs. Is that the year they played Kentucky or ninety six? Yeah. Okay. It was God. It got within two points. I'll tell you, if John Wallace hadn't have fouled out, uh, we were gonna get we were gonna get Kentucky. We were gonna get them. We had them. That was a yeah. You're, you're right, Sigmund. Uh, if if Wallace didn't foul out, uh, because that was your big guy mm-hmm. down low. If if he don't foul out. You're you're good to go, but we yeah. were able to uh, overcome that. And uh, yeah. but Jim Bayham, uh, what what's your thoughts on Jim Bayham? I mean, he he's an oh. icon in Syracuse. I mean, what's yeah. your thoughts? Yeah. Well, you know, he's he's a, a dying breed, if you will, because this is a guy who went to Syracuse, was a graduate assistant in the basketball program. You know, came up as an assistant coach. Has been the head coach for I don't know now, thirty five years, I think more, and he actually had a, a sort of change in his life before that national championship team with Carmelo Anthony where he married a younger woman. He had his first child. It kind of mellowed him out. He loosened up. He loosened up. He mellowed him out. Yeah, and he, uh, he really became uh, a, a loose guy. And, you know, he's got that 2-3 zone. And it's kind of like what we see in football where if you have clarity and you have a certain scheme and you have a certain way that you think the game is played, and you look for players that fit there, and you just train players to be the best players they can be in that scheme, uh, then you can make it work no matter what. And that's how Syracuse has kept that level of excellence. And, uh, you know, they're coming off a couple of back-to-back NIT years, but uh, this year it's good. But Bayheim is really beloved, and it's a throwback. And particularly Syracuse is such a depressed area. Upstate New York is pretty depressed. I mean, these times, every place is depressed. But the Syracuse basketball team really lifts a lot of spirits there. I know – I know last night would be the lot for that. There's there's uh, so many things to say about what you just said uh, when you talk about Jim Beheim and his uh, dedication to the university, to Syracuse, uh, and what he's done. Uh, you know, you don't see that happen very often, and and that's pretty awesome uh, for what Beheim's done. Not only being a student at Syracuse, but uh, being a player and now a coach, and uh, 
He's gone through everything. He's seen every player. He's seen every every player's excuse, every player's mm-hmm. uh, personal problems, this yeah. and that, and he deals with them on a personal level, well, or he legend. wouldn't be where he is now. And I, I, I give Jim, Jim Beham uh, kudos for that. Yeah. Well, let's 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 get talking. I mean, we've got uh, obviously we've got that connection, uh, Sig, because you know uh, Patino and 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 right. have their history, and now here here it comes again, very possibly tomorrow. I don't know what time that game is tomorrow night, but it's uh, regardless of what happens, it's going to be a good one. Let's uh, let's talk about these uh, these rookies coming up in this NFL draft, man. We've uh, mm-hmm. everybody everybody's trying to sit here and figure out how valuable these picks are in dynasty football and. And we, we, we've got a lot of guys on the table to talk about. And thank God for this this younger class of, of running backs coming out, because without right. that, we'd, we'd be in a whole lot of trouble. And and there's one guy I want to I want to start this conversation with, and, and we can take this wherever you want to take it. I've got a list of guys that I'd like to hear your feedback on, but the guy I want to talk about is Donald Brown. Okay, right. for some reason, I've just got this feeling about this kid, and it seems like he's impressing scouts at the combine. He's 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 basically the hardest to tackle back to ever to enter the draft in a long time, in my opinion. He's a he's offensive Big East Player of the Year. He was an All American, and this kid at the combine ran. I mean, just blew us away off the charts with just about everything he did. So, talk about Donald Brown and 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 what you see this kid doing. Sure, and definitely the combine was big for him. And he's a guy that uh, it's difficult for people to really get that excited about in some ways when you're when you're at the point where you're just breaking these guys down in a vacuum because I'm going to compare him maybe to Matt Forte. Not, he's not as big as Forte, but he is a rugged guy. And like Forte, he doesn't really make people miss. He doesn't run away from people in the open field. You know, he's not a dynamic back. He's not going to make a lot of highlight runs, uh, but he just runs hard. He's compact. He makes pretty solid cuts. Sometimes he'll waste some steps and he'll do some jump cuts, but he always runs hot. He always runs with a sense of urgency. He's not the biggest back. He's not the fastest back. He's obviously very athletic. One thing he does have going for him is he's a, a real weight room rat. You know, he's always in the weight room. I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but I think he squats something in the 600s. And he has a really ridiculous lower body as far as strength, ability to push the pile, ability to drag tacklers. And he just runs with a lot of desire. He just runs yeah. hungry. And uh, I think that you're going to see him be a late first, early second round pick. I think you're going to see him be a guy that uh, really defies expectations, although those expectations now have caught up. So I think that right now I would probably have him number three on my board of running backs for fantasy football only because I think uh, that uh, Nishan Moreno is a little bit safer bet and LaShawn McCoy has more upside. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can talk about the name that I didn't mention. But uh, I think Donald Brown should, should be the number four overall pick in rookie draft. If it's not a PPR league, maybe number three. And I think he's going to be a solid player. Yeah, and uh, i tell you what, there's a lot of these dynasty leagues that are, are using this uh, what's called a developmental draft where you the year before you're taking your – you're getting into this feeling and this mode, and I love these leagues. Uh, you're, 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 you're taking your developmental picks the year before, before they, just as long as they're draft eligible, you're, you're, you're taking at least a round worth of developmental picks. So usually 12 to 14 guys, depending on the size of your league. And Donald Brown is like this year's uh, Richard Mendenhall, somebody that kind of came out of nowhere not, and was off the radar for the top 12 and now is at the top of the list. So if you have that 1-1 rookie pick this year after the developmental draft, uh, your one one is basically Donald Brown right now, and and it's a pretty it's a pretty popular pick. I'm getting lots of offers for it. Unfortunately, I have the one one. So. Yeah. 
And, uh, well, so we've got Donald Brown here as a, a guy that uh, you have high on your board. I, I'm, I'm real high on. And then we've got this Beanie Wells from Ohio mm-hmm. State. Now, I don't know if this is going to be the same Beanie Wells that ran the 62-yarder at Michigan, uh, or is this the Beanie Wells that reportedly at the pro day ran like a 4 3 9. What, what's the story with that? Well, I think that the Ohio State track is a little bit faster than the track at the combine. I think we all saw that anybody who watched the combine could see that he was running real loose. Uh, his upper body was real noisy. It wasn't real quiet like it should be when you're running a 40. He seemed to be pushing and straining. And if you watched him, you could see, hey, in a straight line, Chris Wells can motor for a guy that's about, what, 230, 235? There's no doubt about that. But when I see Chris Wells, I see a lot of Lawrence Maroney. Uh, Maroney can also motor in the open field. He's a pretty big guy, not quite as big as Wells, but he won't play hurt. And I think that's what we saw from Wells this year, too. And we saw some injuries. You know, and it, when you think about running backs and injuries, of course, they go hand in hand. But we saw Chris Wells suffer an injury that forced him to miss the biggest game of the year, the USC game. Right. Uh, it was a non-contact injury. It was right. an injury of a cutting at the goal line. So, uh, and he, you know, we saw in the Fiesta Bowl that he suffered an injury, and then he was sitting all on the sidelines by himself. He wasn't in the middle of the episode. He wasn't rallying with his teammates. He wasn't into the game. Uh, he was just sitting by himself on on the bench. Uh, so Sounds I think like LT. Well, yeah. I, I I tell you what, guys. Uh, that's something that I want to uh, want to bring you here for a second. Our segment, mm-hmm. uh, the combine. I, I've oh, yeah. really had a hard time with it because uh, it seems like in the last couple of years it was pretty good. Uh, this past year it wasn't much. Is the combine, in uh, in your opinion, what projected wide receivers, running backs, is it overrated? I mean, is the total combine overrated? You know, Mike, I think that that is a question. I'm going to say yes and no, because I think for the NFL team, it's not overrated, but for a different reason than we think as spectators. Uh, what they're concerned with is the six or eight hours that they spend with the doctors poking and prodding and telling, asking these kids, where did you get this scar? How, how did you get this? What, what, you were eight years old? What, you had a bike accident? When you went to bike accident, you have the doctor's records, you know. That's what they're doing mm-hmm. behind the scenes. And then they're doing the interviews where they're getting a feel for this kid. You know, does, does it give them a warm, fuzzy feeling about bringing them into the organization or are they picking up some vibes that maybe this isn't the kind of guy that fits with their system, with their attitude? Now, the testing I think it's going to show you how prepared somebody is. We talked a lot about this with the Andre Smith stuff that happened this week. It shows you how dedicated someone is. They know it's a job interview. I think that when you watch tape on somebody, you don't even need to watch a half a game on most players to know if they have real track speed or pad speed or both, or if they're dynamic. Right. You know, some guys, just when adrenaline's flowing, when the lights are on, that's when you see their true abilities. And some of these guys, you know, Chris Henry from uh, Arizona a couple of years ago, I mean, he yeah. was as athletic that's Chris Wells, and the Titans took him in the second round. But as they saw, you know, athleticism does not necessarily translate to playmaking ability. So in that sense, it is overrated. But you still see everybody on a level playing field, if you will, all compared against each other in the same tests, on the same surface, with the same official timing, same judges. And in that sense, we do get some sort of idea of where they rank against each other with pure athleticism. But there's a lot more to the game of football than that. My right, and uh, well, uh, let me uh, let me just uh, break in like a no Sean Moreno. I mm-hmm. mean, he he. Let's face it, he failed at the combine, but could it be 
I mean, this kid could be a perfect back in a perfect system, even though he didn't do good in the combine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, Sean Moreno, I think I have him as the number one running back on my board. And I think he'll be the number one running back off the board whenever the draft comes. I think he'll be the number one running back drafted. And it's real simple. He has the determination. He has the instincts. He has the heart. Uh, he's an all-around back. Uh, he can do everything you ask, you know, pass blocking, receiving, getting the tough inside yards. Is he going to run away from anybody? Nah. He's not going to break more than 20 or 25-yard runs probably. Uh, you know, he's, not, he's quick, but he's not that quick. You know, he's, not, he's not like LaShawn McCoy. He's not like lightning in a bottle, but he knows how to set guys up. Uh, you know, you look at we, – we see these debates every year. This what's fun about this time of year, but we see a lot of the same debates year after year. In this case, no Sean Moreno. It's all about he knows exactly how to play the game as a running back, but he's average athletically. I think historically those guys end up working out. Uh, it's the guys right. we look at as historical failures are the ones that have all the athletic ability in the world, but they don't know how to use it. So I would take no Sean Moreno in a second over McCoy, over Wells, over Donald Brown. I think you're going to see him rise up. And remember, even though he's over Hayward Bay, sure, absolutely. And Hayward Bay, I think, yeah. is a perfect example of a guy who has all the athletic ability in the world and will make plays that a few NFL wide receivers could make. But at the same time, he's not consistent. Mike, I told you before the show started, Sig, Sigmund Bloom is one of these guys you could just sit and listen to, and he'll just yeah. keep going. And and it's yeah. Just, it's just amazing. You have this talent, man. I, I mean, obviously you know it, but uh, it's just something that Dynasty and fantasy players just love to hear you talk. And, and you're getting a lot of love in the chat room. Uh, guys are, are guys are talking about your rankings. Uh, they're, they're talking about the combine. Dead Sticks making in the comments saying he, he's really, you know, shying away from those guys that shoot up the board due to the, due to the combine. And then Daedric or Josh comes on and, and you know, loves Shady McCoy. And we're going to oh, yeah. talk about Shady McCoy because, uh, obviously, I've seen on a couple of boards here, and, and Josh mentions it, that uh, Arizona is, is possibly a landing spot. Now, Shady has a March 17th pro day, and I'm just wondering, Sig, what's, what's he going to show? Is he going to show the world what he, that he's worthy of a first-round pick? I think so. Uh, I think that it actually worked out better for him that he didn't work out the combine. He was sick. He was about, though, I think, a one, high 190s, which is not really the weight he plays at. And uh, – he was, you know, I do think that he might have run in the four, low four fours, maybe high four threes. I can tell you that he ran in the four twos as a high school player. Now that was at a Nike camp where they kind of slant the the track down to a little bit. So you know, he's not a legit four twos guy, but he has the fifth gear. He has the breakaway speed. He's unbelievably dynamic in the open field. Uh, you know, he is the kind of guy who is truly elusive. If anything, he's still learning how to use the immense physical talent he has. Now, Pitt rode him really hard. Uh, I think that what you're going to see with McCoy is he, he's also only 20 years old. His body's not really mature yet. I think that he would get turned into mincemeat if they threw him into the, into the crossfire right away. Look what happened to Darren Fatten this year. He, was also, he also came into the league really young. You know, and he, his body almost fell apart. Two turf toes, turf toes on both feet. You know, that was happening to Fatten. So McCoy, he may have to wait a year or two before he gets up to speed, but I think the Arizona rumors – are founded. I know for a fact that one of the people on the phone with him telling him to come into the NFL was someone else from the University of Pittsburgh who came into the league when he was young, Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, so I think that that would make a lot of sense to reunite those guys. And I think that McCoy, ha- you know, you're looking for the guy in this draft who could be special, who could be in that 
top three, I call them the uber studs. You know, those players are like type, like having two players in your lineup when you have them in your right. lineup. Coy is the guy who has that upside. I don't know if he's going to hit it. He's got he's to ratchet up his game a little bit. But when you watch him, uh, he, he's the kind of guy who makes those plays that will make you stand up out of your seat because he'll, he'll do things that almost look like it's an optical illusion. It doesn't seem like someone should, should be able to make some of the weird uh, jump cuts. Uh, Matt Waldman, uh, who just joined Football Guy staff, put it well and he's like, sometimes it looks like the field turned into a trampoline whenever he would make some of his cuts. So uh, yeah. I love watching McCoy, and I think that, you know, I can't blame somebody for taking him over Marino uh, just because the, up, the upside, he's, he's the highest ceiling guy of, of the running backs in this class. Well, Sigmund, yeah, I, 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 I'd like to uh, get your analysis about uh, maybe uh, last year's class, this year's <laughs> class, and next year's class. Take the 08 class, this year's class, and the uh, 2010 class, and uh, where would you rank them? I think that last year's class was was probably better. I mean, this year's class was really saved by the the underclassmen coming in, and the senior class this year. You know, there were some guys who had a chance to to be some uh, big time prospects if they had good years. Guys like James Davis and Javon Ringer. Uh, they didn't really do it. There's some guys coming on late, uh, like Andre Brown. Uh, but really, the underclassmen saved this one. You know, last year we had, geez, <laughs> I mean. Matt Forte, Steve Slayton. Now, obviously, some of this is hindsight. Uh, you know, Rashard Mendenhall was, was, what, the third or fourth guy off the board. Of course, Jonathan Stewart, who a lot of us love, McFadden. You know, last year's class of running backs, I think, is one that's going to go down in history as an all-time great class. And then you look at next year, and, uh, you know, one of the things about looking at next year's class is we all we see it every year that you can't really say until the chips fall where these guys are going to end up because – Every year there's right. one guy, Mendenhall, Donald Brown, that comes out of nowhere. But I will say you can look and you can see guys like Javid Best, Noel Devine at West Virginia, Stephon Johnson at USC. Uh, you know, there's some really solid guys, Charles Scott, LSU. And I feel like Keelan Williams if he can ever learn how to hold on to the ball. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> you look at some of these guys. Keelan Williams is a guy who I think athletically is on the level of uh, Rashard Mendenhall or Chris Wells. Yeah. He's had serious fumble problems. So yeah, this year's class is probably – one of the more weaker that we've seen, let's face it. It is, it is. And, it, you know, it, without McCoy and Moreno and Chris Wells coming out, uh, I don't think there's anything – and I don't even think Chris Wells is a franchise back. As you can tell by me leaving him out of the conversation, I'm not, I'm not as high on Wells as I am on the top three. Without those guys coming out, what you're looking at are a lot of nice role players. And maybe someone like Andre Brown could surprise. Maybe someone like Rashad Jennings could surprise. Right. Uh, for the most part, you're looking at t- committee backs, guys that help take load. You know, maybe there might be three or four weeks out of the year when someone next to them goes down with injury and they have some pretty good stats, uh, but nobody that's going to take over, nothing like last year. Man, Sig, oh, I feel sorry for you, man. Syracuse in overtime yeah. again overtime tonight. Again. Wow. Hey, Friday the 13th, man. You know, this is man, just, I, <laughs> You know, I, 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 I've got to say, I've got to say, all right, uh, one of the things – that about about this, you know, since we're back on it, is uh, if you were watching the game last night, Leo Rottens uh, was, um, I'm sorry, it was, or I'm sorry, Andy Rottens was the guy who uh, hit the three-pointer for Syracuse to put them up 113-110 to start out the sixth overtime, right? Right. And his dad, well, let me back up for a second. The, the longest game in Big East tournament history before last night was a Villanova-Syracuse game in 1981, the first Big East tournament. And his dad, Leo Rotten, hit the three-pointer to win that one. So, again, more Friday the 13th. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. 
I, I mean, it's well, just, it, it, of course, you know, it, it, the funny thing is all kinds of people who probably didn't watch college basketball all year who caught that game yesterday tuned in tonight to see what Syracuse is going to do. So, of course, they'd have to do something like this for an encore. Well, we're probably the only show in town that, that kind of blends college basketball <laughs> to uh, pro football and combine and pro day, just kind of all in together. It's one big okay. conversation for us. And uh, that, that's, yeah, that's kind of how we like it. But uh, I want to kind of get us back on point here, you know, with, with this McCoy, uh, LaShawn McCoy, he, you know, he's, uh, uh, I had him as my one, I picked him at the, as, as my one four uh, developmental pick last year, ahead of DeMarco Murray and a couple other guys there that were just kind of in the, in the conversation at the time. And, and I'm, and I'm hanging on to this kid and, and I, and I really like what I see. And I'm kind of like you, I think, I think he's in that discussion, but I, I know the the hard thing that dynasty players have to get their heads around if they want to win and compete is not sitting there and not necessarily just making the right pick when you're on the clock, but anticipating what this guy is worth. Uh, and obviously, makeup of your team is pretty important. But where do you rank a McCoy or a Well or a Moreno or a Brown? Three guys that we we have very high on our list this year. Where do we rank them in terms of what we would, what kind of back would we give up, or what kind of receiver would we give up at this point? Um, I mean, w- would you give up a Clinton Portis? Would you give up a, a, a Reggie Bush? Would you give right. up a Joseph Adai for one of those guys? And so, yeah, uh, that, that's, and go ahead. I think that's the right question to be asking. No, no, I think that's the right question to be asking. And one, and one thing I do want to say, uh, as far as ranking, is I will be. Turkey's just went up sixty-five, sixty-three. Uh, I will be. I will be putting out the first top twenty. The top. 100 on Monday. A lot of people have been asking me about it, and I, you know, we've been thinking of Brad Pitt TV, our our passion project. Uh, but then the Boom 100 will be coming out, so you'll see how these guys rank against each other. But ranking them, uh, ranking them against the current players, I think is a, is a great question. And I do think you pretty much hit the break point because Clinton Portis, Reggie Bush, Joseph Adai, those are my 17, 18, and 20 running backs. I'll toss another name out there: Ladani and Tomlinson, uh, Ryan Grant. These are the guys in that kind of range, and I think these are the guys that you're looking at. And I'll say it comes down to this, uh, because this, this hobby that we do, this thing that we love so much, it comes down to your gut feelings, right? And if you watch Donald Brown, if you watch LaShawn McCoy, if you watch LaShawn Moreno or Chris Wells, or in your PPR league, you watch Michael Crabtree, or even, hey, maybe even you know, if you start three wide receivers with no PPR, Crabtree gets into this conversation, and you just feel like you have that certainty that you know uh, this, this guy's going to do it, then you have to pull the trigger. Uh, you always want to go down with your beliefs. And I think that range that you talked about is exactly where, uh, you know, you're going to get two or three more good years out of Portis maybe, one or two more good years, maybe three out of Tomlinson. Adai could become a role player at this point. Reggie Bush, we're not sure about his knees at this point. Uh, these are the guys where if you're going to pull the ripcord, now it's time to pull the ripcord because we brought up with Danny and Tomlinson uh, sitting on the bench. And I have to say, and I, I made a post about this in the Shark Pool about a year ago, about this time when I traded Tomlinson for Frank Gore, and uh, Zach Miller, and a uh, pick that ended up being the fifth overall pick this year. Because uh, I said, just seeing him on that bench, I thought, I felt this, this sort of voice in my head say, it's time to trade the Danny and Tomlinson. And I think that sure. obviously to get for him now is a lot less than to get for him then. And I think the same thing is going to happen with Clinton Portis. I think the same thing might be happening with Brian Westbrook. For that matter, I think Brian Westbrook could be a guy that you see Moreno or McCoy end up in the Philadelphia Eagles uniform at the end of draft weekend. So Westbrook could be a guy who's headed for a big drop in value. So if you're mulling trading Westbrook for a 1-2 or a 1-3, Porter's for a 1-2 or 1-3, and you believe in these running backs, I would say you pull the trigger. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think those are the types of guys you try to trade, the guys that uh have a definite uh end in sight. And uh, you know, if you can if you can make a run at the title it's always nice, but if you can reload and afford the ability to reload uh and still compete, uh, you know, timing is everything in, in Dynasty and I mean, we've we've left out the big name here uh, for 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 a reason because I, I want to talk about Michael Crabtree, the sure. stress fracture in the left foot. Um, it's it's obviously it's a, a how, how serious of an injury is this, and how how concerned should we be? Because I know Oakland has their sights on him. I'm sure it's what Jamarcus wants, but what what's what's the situation with this injury to Crabtree? Well, he did the smart thing. He had the surgery. They were talking about he was going to run in his pro day and then have the surgery, which really was pointless. He just went up by five with 2.16 left. Uh, they went and, and he yeah, had the surgery. I'm watching it right now. I, I'm on it. segment. And uh, I'll say this, okay? Uh, he did the right thing, and I, this is all very reminiscent of Adrian Peterson a few years ago when he ended up falling to the seventh pick because he had a broken collarbone. And something about NFL teams, that if they can't watch you run and do your thing, there's just a sense of security that they lose. Because really, Adrian Peterson should be in the Cardinals uniform. Or, or you know, he, they had a chance to take him at the fifth overall pick. They could leave Levi Brown instead, you know. Um, and I think with Crabtree, there's going to be teams looking back on that, that have that same thing. I think if people pass on him in the rookie draft, I think you have the number one pick in the PPR league. It's Crabtree. If you watch him on tape, he is an extremely rare prospect. And I don't care if he ran a 4-7. You can see him run away from guys on the open field. You can see him run guys over in the open field. He attacks the football. You know, he reminds me of Brandon Marshall, basically. He attacks the football like he's making an interception. Uh, he runs He runs angry. He runs like a running back. Uh, he as long runs, as you don't have the character of Brandon Marshall. <laughs> exactly. No, and that's, you know, why did Brandon Marshall fall to the fourth round? We're obviously seeing some of that. Uh, so I think that, you know, Michael Crabtree is going to be a 90 or 100 catch guy. Uh, He's the only guy to ever win back-to-back Belenov-Koff awards, and he did it as a freshman and a sophomore. So, I mean, I, mean, I don't know what there was left for him to prove. And it, it, it's all there on tape. He has ridiculous ball skills. Um, he's an unbelievably strong runner. You know, he has, he's reminiscent of Anquan Bolden at times, the way he runs in the open field. Uh, and he just, he just plays like a, I mean, he just plays like he's out there to club heads, basically, which is something very rare in a wide receiver. So I totally endorse Crabtree. I hate to use the term can't miss because those are things that we can rewind and play this about a year from now on Crabtree's, like on Charles Rogers Lane or something like that, and it'll sound really stupid. They're always can't-miss guys. But based on what I've seen on the field, Crabtree's a can't-miss guy. Well, I'm going to put another name right up there in his category, Jeremy Macklin. Every time they see him, uh, he's the best player on the field. He had a 4-4-3-40 thereabouts. I don't know about the timing, but – and he and, and I'm and I'm hearing these talks about this MRI. I don't know what's going on there, but it, it he, he right. seems like a perfect fit for the Jets. Oh, he does. He does. And uh, you mentioned Crabtree to the Raiders, and in my latest mock draft over draft guys, I put Darius Hayward Bay the pick to the Raiders over Crabtree. I had Crabtree fall to number eight to Jacksonville only because we know from history that no, nothing is more important to the Raiders to Al Davis than the forty time. And the fact that there's no 40 time for Crabtree and that Hayward Bay wow. uh, burned a 4-3, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if, if Davis makes that call because it's well documented that, you know, speed is basically the number one thing. Everything is secondary to that in the scouting report. But, um, uh, you know, Macklin's an interesting guy. I compare Macklin to somebody like Ted Ginn. Now, he's bigger than Ginn. Uh, he's thicker than Ginn. You know, so he's not going to get pushed around the same way Ginn did. But much like Ginn, he's a guy who has ridiculous straight line speed. He has truly – world-class speed. Uh, he has a fifth gear that very few players in the NFL have. 
He doesn't have that much wiggle, though. He doesn't have that much side-to-side, open hips. He's not a polished receiver in that sense. If you watch Missouri games, you know, you didn't really see wide receivers running these routes with crisp cuts in them. They're basically running the spot, or in Macklin's case, you know, just going over the top and challenging the safeties and, and things like that. So he's going to have to learn to be a polished receiver just like Ted Ginn is having to learn. But I think he's got more upside than Ginn. And I, I think that, you know, he's going to be a player who's, as a wide receiver, he's probably an early second-round pick, maybe a late first-round pick. But as a receiver and the returnability you get, just like Ginn, that returnability really pushes him up the board. And I think the Jets would be lucky to get him at 17, but he might fall to them. Sig, would you trade oh. Vincent Jackson for Jeremy Macklin? You know, at this point, um, if, if, if Vincent Jackson, let's put it this way, if Vincent Jackson was my first or second wide receiver off my bench, and I was a Macklin, truly a Macklin believer. I'm not totally on a Macklin train, but I, I could see that being a solid pick. If, if, if Vincent, Jackson, Vincent Jackson's numbers are probably a little bit high from last year just because I think that uh, you know, Philip Rivers is going to throw 34 touchdowns again. I really like Malcolm Floyd there. I think if they get Malcolm Floyd back and no one signs him away to give up a second-round pick, that Malcolm Floyd's going to pass Chris Chambers. But they have Gates, who was hurt. Remember, Gates was hurt last year for almost the whole season, so there was more targets going Jackson's way. Uh, so I, I do think that Jackson probably had one of his, the better years he's going to have in his career statistically, which is another reason maybe to trade him now. So I, I advocate that in general. Um, but I, you know, I, I definitely think that that's a kind of something you would look at uh, as long as, like I said, if you were depending on Jackson and then you were trading to Macklin, you're not going to get the production out of Macklin. Trading for Crabtree, right. you're, you're going to begin the production right away. Macklin, if, if you had uh, say say had Dwayne Bow and Vincent Jackson, yeah. would you trade Vincent Jackson for that? Oh, I mean, Dwayne Bowe, I think, is about – with Matt Castle in town, uh, Dwayne Bowe is about to explode. Dwayne Bowe, we could be looking back uh, at his 2009 yeah. season, the season when he joins those guys. Uh, in that, Andre Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald right. kind of category. Absolutely. You know? yeah. uh, so I, I think at this point you're only trading for Bowe. Uh, and, you know, I, I have a bag over my head. I, tra- I, made a tra- late tra- I made a trade during the season last year to trade Bowe to get, to get some depth. Not depth because yeah. I start a lot, but anyway, right. I'm, I'm doing that thing and start talking to my own team. The point is, don't be like me. Don't trade Dwayne Bow. Trade for Dwayne Bow. <laughs> yeah. Mike's in hyperactive uh, too. He has Dwayne Bow and he keeps getting offers. And uh, I tell, don't trade Dwayne Bow. That's just a good rule of thumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna get off of him. <laughs> yep. Uh, another another player Hi, here. Another player here, Darius Hayward Bay, four three forty. We talked about him a little bit. Um, if, if, if you want to, if you want to talk Hayward Bay, uh, or or even a name, uh, an obscure name like a Johnny Knox from Abilene Christian. He was a late second, and he and he's just blowing it up in Indy. And and scouts heard how fast he was, but until they saw him run and and catch the ball, he's running like four two nines, four three four forties. This kid seems to be. Uh, skyrocketing up the draft board, kind of like Greg Jennings did. Yeah, I think that he's uh, uh, about a fourth, fifth-round pick at this point, uh, which is a guy that when we were covering him at Texas versus the Nation, he wasn't even draftable on a lot of people's boards. You can go to draftguys.com, check out his profile if you want to see this guy. But what we noticed about Johnny Knox right away was he looks like one of those guys that the ball controls him. You know, in El Paso, the wind can howl up there. We saw a 3 nothing bowl game this year because the wind was so bad in El Paso. And the wind was like a visible hand pushing the ball left and right. And he would just – his body would just naturally move with it like the ball was remote controlling him. And then we saw that straight line speed. And you can see all this stuff in his profile. 
And, uh, you know, he, he's definitely a guy I think that you're seeing rocket up boards. Uh, and uh, as far as Hayward Bay goes, you know, I would compare him, let's toss uh, Chris Chambers, I think, let's toss Max Coburis out there. You throw him an easy pass within his frame, the hands are inconsistent, they come and go. You make him make some sort of twisting, acrobatic catch over the shoulder, you know, two guys undercutting his legs, and he finds a way to make it. Uh, so that's the kind of guy he's going to be. He's going to be inconsistent, uh, but he's also going to be a guy who makes plays that few guys can make. And I think Hayward Bay uh, is probably going to end up being a top 15 pick before it's all said and done because he's so rare. Uh, but we've got a lot of great wide receivers at DraftGuys.com to talk about. I mean, uh, Jared Dillard, I think a guy. Talk about Greg Jennings. I think Jared Dillard is the guy who could be this year's Greg Jennings. It is draftguys.com is the website where you can get all the uh, all the action and all the advice from uh, Sigmund Bloom and and all the guys there at uh, NFL or I'm sorry draftguys.com and you guys are doing Draft Guys TV as well and and the, and these uh, some of the technology you guys use was first top notch man when I first saw the videos and and the way you guys were using that I mean it was really impressive stuff you guys everybody uh, listening has to check that out if you haven't already most of our listeners Sig are are high-stakes fantasy players. Most of the time, I would say about 70% of our audience are high-stakes mm-hmm. fantasy players. So they're they're probably familiar with you. And, and a lot of these high-stakes fantasy guys aren't dynasty guys, but they've, they're getting the fever. And, and they're coming in slowly, and they, like, and, and they really didn't pay a lot of attention to college, and now a lot of them are coming on board and saying, hey, what's this dynasty thing all about? And I think dynasty high-stakes is the next uh, kind of evolution of high-stakes fantasy football. So... We'll, we'll we'll see if that comes about, but uh, I, I know the interest is definitely picking up with some of the high stakes uh, event operators, and and so that's why we want to introduce dynasty football to a lot of this audience. Um, any other guys, uh, Mike, that you wanted to to ask uh, Sig about? And I tell you, in the chat room, they're they're asking for sleepers. They're asking for who's the Eddie Royal this year. Uh, what, what yeah, I, I was just you know I was kind of curious as to if he knows any more uh, about the deal with McDaniels and uh, Jay Cutler in Denver and <laughs> yeah. what's going on there because, uh, you know, let's face it, what we hear is uh, it's pretty volatile. So I, I'm not sure. And and plus you got 30 seconds to go and Syracuse is still up. So I'm keeping yeah. track of that too. By two. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I also, I, for those kind of questions, I would definitely always uh, defer uh to Cecil Lammy, who co-hosts Audible with me, and he covers the Broncos. His his version of the story basically was that the Broncos weren't shopping uh, Cutler, and it was only when Castle became available that Josh McDaniels fielded the phone calls, and it was really something they were only looking at when Castle was available, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, McDaniels knows right. that Castle is going to run that offense true to its conception. You know, he's going to know the terminology. Castle could become a coach, basically, and teach everybody else there the offense. Uh, but really, they weren't looking to trade Cutler in any other kind of trade, and Cutler had his feelings hurt. And I understand that this kind of stuff kind of happens all the time, but sure. usually quarterbacks are uh, they're tactful enough to keep that stuff out of the public eye. Cutler's kind of a shoot from the hip, you know, just say whatever's on his mind. Uh, and I think that that's something that he probably wishes he hadn't done at this point. But I think that it's going to be something that blows over. Uh, I think that this is just new kid in town kind of stuff. I remember when Mike Tomlin came into town for the Pittsburgh Steelers, my beloved Steelers, he let go of Joey Porter and then rankled uh, Al Panica's feathers. So that's just how it goes. The new guy has that's to kind a, of – That's just kind of the way things go oh. uh, when when. A, New kid, quote, new kid on the block comes to town, so. Absolutely. 
Sig, in one word, I want you to describe uh, the, these these quarterbacks here that are coming out. Because okay, I don't I don't want to de- devote a lot more than that to these quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stafford. Um. KG. Sanchez. Um. Oh, geez. Uh, uh, precise. <laughs> Not really. I'm going to put two words together. Alex Smith, maybe. I Not ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not ready. It's definitely uh, no pocket presence. But let's, let's move here to Pat White. <laughs> um, uh, uh, wide receiver. That's what, what, what two words. Okay. But, uh, no, All right. No, I, and they're asking. I, I, I go ahead. They're, they're asking in the chat room, uh, Curtis Painter. Ah, I, I, for Curtis Rainer, I would just say, uh, you know, a, a pro, I mean, there's two words, but it's one quality. You know, he's, he's pro-ready. He's a guy that can actually step in and play. I'm not sure he's going to be a starting quarterback, but he, he's, he's smooth. You know, I'm, I'm going off going out of the one-word rule, but he, I think that something's going on in Purdue where that system helps guys know the kind of decisions they have to make in the NFL, throwing the ball in small windows, anticipating routes. I, I think Painter's really underrated. In and on, Sigmund, the game is over. Syracuse yeah. moves on. Oh, man, that is not the team I wanted to play. But, okay, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> How to be mad. Yeah, Patino and Bayheim, and, you know, we'll see. Scott versus Sigmund. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the Louisville could end up getting a third number one seed uh, for the Big East this year. It's going to be reminiscent of when we're looking like, what, 20, 23, 24 years ago when, Sierra, when uh, uh, the Big East had three of the four number one seeds. So, We'll see. Yeah, uh, great year for the Big East, though. I think that I think that's I think that's going to happen. Let's talk about let's let's switch gears a little bit. Again, we're we're still in the dynasty discussion with Sigmund Bloom of the Audible and uh, DraftGuys.com. Um, Deshaun Jackson, Donnie Avery, talk about one of one or both of these guys and what you see is there. Uh, are, are they going to continue on those hot streaks? I think that Avery will. Uh, I think that remember Avery was playing with that uh, stress fracture in his hip or something like that. I think. Uh, and uh, I see him as a guy, as long as the quarterback play is there, that he's going to be a burner. Sean Jackson I'm not 100% sold on. I see him as a good guy like when McNabb's plays break down and things like that. But we have a couple of guys on Drop Guy TV that are those kind of wide receivers. Jared Dillard was one, and I said I would compare him to Greg Jennings. I think if you watch the Jared Dillard profile at DraftGuys.com, you'll be pretty sold on him. Deion Butler's another one. Uh, and, you know, there used to be a time if you were a 5'10", 180, 175-pound wide receiver, you were too small. And all these wide receivers who broke out last year were the too small guys. Uh, so I think that NFL teams are going to give the smaller wide receivers a longer look this year. I, think, I, I honestly think Dillard can be a starter in the NFL and a very good one. Talk about two more guys at the running back position, Felix Jones and Pierre Thomas. Yeah, Felix Jones, you know, the word is he's going to get more touches than everybody saw when he had the ball in his hands. He was dangerous last year. I mean, he could take any touch to the house, and I think it's a, it would be a good thing for Marion Barber that he'll be getting more touches because Barber's the finisher, remember. And Barber was a top ten back when Julius Jones was getting a lot of carries, over 200 carries. Barber will be fine. Uh, and, and, you know, I really think that, uh, uh, you know, Felix Jones is a guy whose value is only going up Pierre Thomas maybe is a sell high right now. We kept hearing about LT. Uh, if he was going to leave the Chargers, the Saints are going to be interested. I wouldn't be shocked. You know, in my latest mock, I almost put Sean Moreno to the Saints at number 14. I'm not, I don't think they're sold on Pierre Thomas. He had a good finish to the year, but they gave him a shot at the beginning of the year, and he didn't really seize it. He's solid, uh, but he's the kind of guy that you can improve from. 
and I think that they're going to have a chance to, to improve from him with their first or second round pick. So I think Pierre Thomas could be on thin ice. That being said, if he gets through to the beginning of the year without any competition, he's going to be a valuable player. So they're, they're pretty much sold on uh, Reggie Bush uh, being in the slot, and they're going to have uh, somebody behind Pierre Thomas maybe? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that we're going to see, you know, I still think Aaron Secker has looked as good as Pierre Thomas when he was healthy. That doesn't necessarily to reflect on Thomas as much as that in that role that Thomas has had, a lot of guys could be productive. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see them maybe go after somebody who gets cut early in training camp or you see them maybe try to develop a fifth or sixth round running back. I think that the, you know, the New York running back situation is far from settled. Yeah. Shake. If there's one, if there's one guy in this, I'm gonna bounce back here to the draft class. I just go back and forth yeah. all night. It's Friday the 13th. If there's, if there's one guy that epitomizes Enigma, for me, uh, it's Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. I've got, a, I've got a dynasty team in the backyard brawl. It's called All Percy all the time. It's a guy that I'm, yeah. that I was really high on. And what is, what do you see him? Uh, what is his role in the in National Football League? I really can't say, Scott. I, 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 I don't know uh, because this is a guy who's coming into the draft as a wide receiver, yet if you watch the combine, he didn't run routes. He didn't run the gauntlet. He didn't do what the wide receivers are doing. Most of his good plays were out of the backfield at Florida at, at, from a running back position. So I don't know what you do with a guy like that. Maybe he can be a wildcat quarterback. You can have some special plays for him and things like that. Maybe he develops on the same path as somebody like a Devin Hester, uh, but I think that he's far from being a polished wide receiver. I left him out of the first round of my mock just because I think that teams are going to look at him and say, yeah, what do we do with him? Uh, so I, I, I agree. And another guy, you mentioned the beginning of the draft, I think another guy is Mike Goodson out of Texas A&M because if you watched him back in his freshman year, he looked indistinguishable from Reggie Bush. He was unbelievably dynamic, and things just went downhill from there with injuries and falling out with the coaches and he pretty much had to leave Texas A&M. It wasn't his choice to leave this year. That being said, uh, you know, he, we know that he's got the juice. We know that this guy can get it done. So he, he's another one who could be out of the league in a year or two, or he could return to form and uh, be a starter in the NFL. Sig, we've got, we've got just two minutes left. I want to give the floor to you, and we appreciate you coming on and uh, talking Dynasty with us and, and this, this combine and the pro day. Uh, where can everybody, if they don't already know, we may have some new listeners because we are on the fantasysportschannel.com. Where can they find more of Sigmund Bloom and the Draft Guys? Yeah, DraftGuys.com. You know, we're going to be hitting you with position rankings, mock drafts, of course, Draft Guys TV, where we give you our favorite sleepers. And this is a passion project, and this is something that we do. We go out on the road and film at these all-star games. We get interviews. We break down the practice footage. We just love the draft. And we love it for the same reason a lot of people love fantasy football. I'm, during fantasy football season, I'm over at Football Guys. And really what it's about is when you watch the game, it just gives that much more depth. If you know more about the players, then there's all these plots that all of a sudden come out in the game. Uh, it just makes it that much richer of an experience to watch a football game by educating yourself. And that's why we like to do it early on. When you get to know these guys in college. And then when they break out, uh, you know, you see some of the human stories out there. It's just incredible. In addition to just seeing what guys like, you know, Steve Slayton and things like that, where you remember that he had it in him, and then you see him do it yep. in Houston, and it's not that shocking. Uh, so it's just, it just makes the stories richer, and that's why we love to follow this game uh, year-round, and we love the chance to get to talk to your listeners at, at Red versus Blue, and you guys are doing a great job here, and just appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Thanks a lot, Sigmund. We really definitely appreciate it and uh, appreciate your insight. 
Oh, hey, anytime, guys. I always love talking football. It's been a lot of fun, man, and we're gonna we we're gonna definitely do it again, hopefully, as time permits for you. Congratulations on the Syracuse win tomorrow. Thanks. We are enemies, uh, but uh, <laughs> after that, well, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll get along and we'll uh, we'll kick up some uh, dynasty dust in some of these leagues, man. Yeah, everyone needs to get some sleep. All right, thanks a lot, Scott. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> okay, Sig, we'll take care. Guys, that was Sigmund Bloom of uh, DraftGuys.com and the Audible. You guys uh, can always find him. He's getting ready to release his top 100 where he mixes those rookies in uh, along with the Dynasty players. For all you guys, we're going to come right back with college basketball, Louisville and Kentucky news. We're going to bring on Dr. Dish, our affiliate in Louisville, and uh, we'll we'll be back for the – available podcast. The show's going to be over here in about 15 seconds. So Mike, hang tight with us. We'll be back next week. See you next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.
you're embarrassing us. You know, when you're when you're playing this one-on-one basketball, you've got to be passing to win. And they started passing with tenacity. McGee was defensive player of the year tonight. Uh, they win 69-55, down eight at halftime. Tenacious defense. Terrence Williams, another solid night, 11 rebounds, six assists, three steals, 17 points for Clark, 16 points for Smith. But, but Dr. Dish, McGee was the story of the game. Oh, yeah. He was just – he just hawked that little uh, – what's that little point guard they had for uh, – uh, Scotty. Yeah, Scott, Scotty Reynolds. Held him two yeah. points tonight, I think, you know, and just yeah. just stayed in his grill all night, you know. And uh, got the, got the, about three charging fouls on him, you know, so really just a – well, hopefully he can do that to Devendorf tomorrow night. Yeah, did you see that shot just getting on Devendorf? Did you know he made that shot last night at the end of regulation that didn't count? It would have won it yeah. for him. Did you yeah. see that shot he made right before halftime? Yeah. Night. A 65 footer. Yeah. It went in. It counted though. <laughs> yeah. Three quarter well, left before just a line drive that went in. I wanted I wanted it to count, but at the same time I knew what the refs were going to do. They were going to they were if it would have went if it would have meant that. UConn would win the game. I don't think you reversed that decision. Yeah. But since, but since it was a tie game and was just going to overtime, I think the ref said settle it on the court. Yeah. Well, when he watched the replay, it was when it hit zero and the light come on. It was just right on it, just leaving his fingertips or just on his fingertips, and just uh, I mean, it, they had to call it like that when they showed they showed it down to the frame by frame, and that's what it it was still on his tips. You know, it was still touching it. You know, so. It was the right call, but man, it was just if that guy hadn't if they hadn't touched that other guy, the the uh, Connecticut player coming in, you know that was a great play. That was almost uh, well. Remember that shot that lost uh, Kentucky got beat by Duke with, <laughs> that year. It was about yeah. like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, 1.8 seconds left, throw it in from the other end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the big commercial was about that too, Neil. Yeah, I think that's going to be the number one play. I think I think that's what's well, leading up to it tonight. Tonight, Louisville was 13 of 28 from the three-point line, and they just completely came on fire in the second half uh, because of passing. When they pass the ball and they have open shots, it's yeah. very hard to beat this team because they have so many shooters, and their passing is tremendous when they want to. Like a second, different, different, whole different game that second half, wasn't it? Yeah, like a Absolutely. Different. The second half was a different game. They came out with a tenacity. They were the ones uh, controlling the tempo. They they controlled the defensive pressure. They just and every loose ball, instead of going to Villanova, who obviously wanted it more in the first half, mm-hmm. Louisville wanted it more in the second half, and they kept the heat on with defense, Mike. Yep. There's no doubt about it. Defense wins games. Pitching wins games in baseball. Defense wins games in basketball, football, uh and what I'm seeing out of Louisville is um, tenacious. It's total tenacious defense. And you know, they just seem to have so much more energy toward the end of the games, you know, of all these games. Well, teams, you know, and I know that's due to that's due they to tend to do that, Neil, because they, they know they've got, the, they've got that animal right there, and they pretty much got them corralled, and it's pretty much, here we go now. I've got them. Now I'm going in for the kill. And uh, they have that way to do that. And, you know, there's not many teams in the nation that can do that. 
You know, they're still talking like, you know, I'm hoping here, I'm hoping we win tomorrow, but they're still talking, and I think, dang, if we win tomorrow, I don't see how they can keep us from getting number one seed, but they're still saying that we might not get a number one seed. A lot of them are still talking. They're right. wrong. They're wrong. Well, you know, I don't know. Well, there's 16 teams in the Big East, and everybody plays everybody once, you know. Home and away, or everybody plays everybody once this year. So that was 15 games, and then they played three of the three of the th- three other opponents. They played twice, and they played home and away on those three. So, I mean, well, last you know, year we it, had a real like rock draw, you. had a real tough draw, and this year Connecticut and Pittsburgh had to play twice, which Pittsburgh won both times. And somehow they seem like uh, Connecticut and Pittsburgh, and they lost last night both of them, and they were in their first game. It's a no-brainer to me, Neil. Uh, the bottom line is, as was faced, you know, I mean, other than the Notre Dame hiccup, which they had, which hmm. the teams had, other than that, uh, they lost to UConn, but, I mean, they played them good. Uh, they have met every challenge back and forth, whether it be at home or on the road. Yeah, I think they've met every challenge. Seniors yeah. on the team. So, in my opinion, Louisville is the number one seed. You got Louisville, North Carolina, and uh, Memphis. I'm afraid is. But they're saying in. if Memphis wins tomorrow, that they're they're going, they're going to take one of them spots. You know, now I, I, I don't be think they, they don't play nobody at all in that conference. You know that? They I know that. But also, what the heck? You know, they ain't really. They were beaten. Well, well who, who's it going to be? Oklahoma. Years. Oklahoma yeah. just. They I just mean, they had their Oklahoma big State. Things go. Four or here. So, I mean, you can't make anybody out of the SEC a number one seed. Oh, so no. it's got. To, it, I mean. Well, I mean, the ones they're considering, there are two they're considering. They're really saying Memphis is the one that's really to think this one. Well, that's, that's, that's who it's got to be. Number one, you know, I just don't think they deserve a number one for their, their competition. I don't either. I don't either. But who else is it going to be? Well, they say Michigan State could possibly be, but uh, you know, and I'm not saying we need three three out of the Big East or anything, but they, I don't know if there's three better teams around the country than what those three are, you know. Well, and I totally not, agree. There's Syracuse. Take, take your this Syracuse team, team and this West Virginia team and this Villanova team are all extremely tough. And okay, I, all right. I look for them to make a lot of noise in the, in the tournament. Who's the four best teams? That that That's what you're going to break down. If you, Scott, and myself are together, we need to break down four teams that are the best four teams in the nation right now. Who is it going to be? Well, I'm, I'd say Pittsburgh, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Connecticut, and North Carolina. I don't have a problem with that at all. And you know, yeah. my, and I know right behind is going to be Duke and Michigan State and and uh, Oklahoma and and Memphis. You know, all four of them. You know, and it real. I guess it really don't matter whether you're one or two. Just your color of your uniforms. I think really, but. Uh, well, I agree with you. I, that's my four, and I, I and I don't see any reason to change it. It's the four best teams in the country: Louisville, yeah. North Carolina, Pittsburgh, and UConn. And and I think Louisville is all but guaranteed a number one seed after this run in the tournament and the nine-game win streak after Notre Dame. That's just yeah. what I mean. They've always said it always goes for what you do at the end of the year, not so, you know. I know teams losing the beginning of the year; they're getting used to each this other, getting together, and preseason. The real yeah. season starts Thursday at noon. Right, and, and to come and to have, what they call arguably this year, they call it the toughest uh, uh, 
conference uh, conference in the country, bar none, all in all time. You know, they think it was the toughest conference ever. And and toward the beginning of the year, and naturally they've had to beat the crap out of each other. And Louisville's only lost twice now. Be it, I, uh, they beat Notre Dame once, and they lost to Notre Dame after they come off a seven-game losing streak. You know, but they was, you know, Notre Dame earlier in the year had like a 50-game winning streak at the, at Notre Dame, and they was ready for us that night. We fell in there, boy. I mean, they were, and they were hot that night, boy, hitting everything. What the? Hey, Doctor Dish, I hear a new hobby is sweeping uh, Kentucky, uh, the state of Kentucky, and that's knitting. <laughs> Knitting, knitting is a is a popular hobby right now with uh, the state of Kentucky. What's uh, what's that Talk about? Talk your shirt. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard something about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know nothing about it. Pull me in. <laughs> well, I, I hear a lot of Kentucky fans aren't even going to watch this knitting uh, take place, but uh, you I know, won't. I, <laughs> the NIT. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not in tournament. Not in tournament. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you what, I, I think really the NIT is really going to be a great tournament this year for the for all the teams that are going to be in it. There's a lot of Phil, good please, please, of this, stop. Right? <laughs> yeah, back up from the TV a little bit there, bud. <laughs> Let's back up from the ledge. We're not going to be watching the NIT. If we are, we've got a problem. <laughs> One thing Elvis did, Elvis Presley, he did a long time ago. When he saw something on TV he didn't like, he shot it. Yeah. Of course, I don't own a gun, but <laughs> I would do the same thing. I, I will not watch a single game of the NIT. I yeah. never have. I didn't last year or the year before or the year before that. Yeah, I no do reason not to. watch the NIT. I, I don't the, uh, watch it much. I mean, I just, uh, until it gets down to the last few games, you know, but uh, it's interesting to see who. I'd, I'd rather, rather, I'd rather watch well. women's basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that ain't worth watching. That UConn team, if you watched anything about them this year, that UConn women's team is awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, look, man. Uh, you know, we could we could talk a little bit of Kentucky, but I think that just depresses the uh, the big blue faithful. So I think we just let it does go. because we got a frog eyed coach and a guy that looks like a frog, and it's. <laughs> Mike, I mean, you it, when you lose nine of your last thirteen, you know. I'm gonna go on record. I'm gonna go on record saying I will not watch the NIT because I wish I had Tubby back. Because Mike, Tubby made me go go on record. Do you support the firing of Gillespie? Well, yeah. Well, but, uh, but, but, hold on, hold on. I'm going to go on record. you got to give him another year or two to get some people in there. No, no, no exactly. That's where I'm going. I, I still support Gillespie. Tubby knew he didn't leave him. He cannot coach. He cannot coach. He's not a leader. you gotta, you got to have a leader to do that. All right, well. You heard it there first, gang. But uh, hey, that was what what an awesome interview with uh, with with Sigmund Bloom, man. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Was that not insightful or what? So we're gonna we've got uh, we've got quite a, a a lineup coming on to uh, to be on Red versus Blue and, and get a hold of this uh, high stakes audience that we have. And uh, we're we're gonna keep bringing you guys that uh, can just entertain thing. us and and give us that insight. Go ahead, Mike. Are we talking football? UK football next week. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, we're gonna talk a little bit of March Madness next week and uh, Damn it. a lot of March Madness next week because uh, everything's gonna be on the line and hopefully Louisville is still playing 
uh, if they get beat by a 16 or a 15 seed come Friday night, then uh, I think we'll just cancel the show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can so, All right, gang. Well, this has been fun. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, you can you can obviously visit us on thefantasysportschannel.com. You can download us to your iTunes, your uh, to your to your iPod or your MP3 player. Uh, and uh, you know we just enjoy doing this for you guys, and uh, we hope to have everybody back next week. So, for Mike and Doctor Dish, we're gonna we're gonna say go cards, go cards, go cards. <laughs> and we Can't believe I said that. Hey, thanks, catch Glenn Beck tonight. The replay, uh-huh. the replay is uh, you got to catch Glenn Beck on Fox News. Oh yeah. Uh, recorded it Saturday at nine o'clock as the replay. Saturday at nine. Did you guys get a chance to see the jockey show on Friday night? Uh, no. Oh, I, I caught a little bit it. of it. I didn't get to see much of it. You're, you're missing the series of the year, man. You're missing it. Okay. Jockeys is the stuff. So, especially for you guys that are ready for uh, getting ready for Derby coming up in May, which is all of us. So that'll be fun. Hey, one more thing. Good races coming up right now. Yeah, we got to do a Derby show. Yeah, sure do. Hey. We can do that. We got to get some Perfect. more races in here. They're getting, they're getting ready to go start going to Mount and Ace now. Some of these, some of these races will start being Mount and Ace. So we're getting a, nobody might, nobody might not listen, but uh, you know, well, we're going to do it. Anyway. Derby pick this year. You got one favorite going or anything? Or there's one running tomorrow that freeze the freezing fire. Tampa Bay, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not there with you yet. I'm still rooting for Big Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got an old fashioned. I think he's looking to be the favorite right now, and that's uh, early favorite. Hey Scott, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, for that book by Cohen. I'm, I'm going to get it, and I've all, well, not going to get it. I've already got it, and uh, it's going to be good reading material on the way down to Florida. I, I'm looking there forward to that stuff. Have a blast with it, man. Good leadership stuff. All right. Red versus blue. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. See you, Scott. See you, Neil. Bye, bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.